0: Hello! Bienvenidos a
1: Entre Dos, a podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. This is Paula. And this is Monica. Bienvenidos a
0: Entre Dos, a podcast about raising bilingual children.
1: In one of our earliest episodes, Spanish is like a warm croqueta, We spoke about what we had done in our homes up to that point to foster Spanish in our daughters. Recently, we listened to it again and it struck us how different things feel now. So we decided to record an update on where we feel we are in this bilingual path. Moni, you've written a couple of blog posts recently about your experience so far now that Zoe has started kindergarten at an all English school and you're being incredibly intentional about supplementing her schoolwork with extracurriculars in Spanish. So tell us how that's going. Aggressively intentional is a good way
0: (laughs) of saying it, (laughs) Um, you know, and I've laid some of this in, in my blog posts, you know, and we'll link to them in the show notes. But overall, it's going very well. Um, of course, if you look sort of backstage, you will see there's sort of this frenetic, constantly like changing scenario because it is a lot of work. And I expected it to be, you know, a lot of work, but but I didn't expect to be so at odds with the school and her curriculum. And that has been really stressful. You know, I've already had to opt so it out of a computer assessment program because essentially it would eat away at our family time, our language time. And also it would give her screen time, which that's another show. Right. Completely. Not even our show. Right. <laughs> but I do have a problem yeah. with a five year old being in front of a computer um, every day. Um you know, we've made homework bilingual, which means that whenever we have to do reading, it's done in Spanish, which is great. Um, I spoke to her teacher about that, and she was really open to um, anything that we wanted to do at home in terms of um, Spanish literacy. You know, math is also a really easy object to do, uh, subject to do in, in Espanol. So that has mm-hmm. happened as well, even though David does most of the math homework with her. And he's doing a lot of it here at home because I do want her to learn some of the terminology in English because her classroom is all English. So I do worry sometimes, you know, I feel that pressure of like, oh my gosh, I'm teaching yeah. her these things in Spanish. I wonder how that will be received in in the classroom. Right. But, you know, right now she's reading in Spanish, which is amazing. And um, As a result, there is some confusion about how to identify when something is in a specific language and how to read it. When she sees the printed word, she has yet to be able to identify what language it's in. And because she's so comfortable in Spanish, she reads it in Spanish in her mind. So a lot of her vowel sounds are in Spanish when she's reading in English, which is perfectly normal. But I worry about how that plays out again in the school because she is in an environment that doesn't value her Spanish. Right. And and that creates a context that we will turn these very typical bilingual behaviors into a potential issue. And by the way, there is peer reviewed research that came out recently that says that reading skills in Spanish in particular. I'm not sure about other languages. I'm not sure if it, that study mentioned other languages, but the reading skills in Spanish are transferable to English. So if your kid is reading in Spanish, that will likely help his or her English literary skill, literacy skills moving forward. And we'll post that research in the show notes. I think it came out this week, right?
1: Yeah, I saw this. I saw the article and I was going to bring that up because I've, I've seen it in my experience with Amelia, even though. It's a little different context because like you said, she's in an environment where Spanish is the expectation in the younger grades, but we don't do any reading in English at, at home really. And it's one day it's like a switch flipped and she started reading in English. And I think there's something to be said about how you learn to read Spanish because it's phonics. Right. And... Even her teacher, her kindergarten teacher, told some concerned parents who were worried about, "Well, is my kid, because it's a dual language school, is my kid falling behind in English?" And I remember she told the parents, "She's like, look, maybe right now it feels that way, but soon they will be. Their their reading skills in Spanish will really help them um, read in English because first they might read it with a Spanish pronunciation." But since they're familiar with the English language, it's almost like it'll click, like if they say, I remember she said, let's say they say fish, but they, they're they looking at a picture of a fish. Well, they'll, they'll quickly correct themselves. Fish, that's how you pronounce it. And then, you know, once they see the word, they'll, they start knowing that that's how you pronounce it. So in my experience, I've definitely seen that help. And I don't know if it goes for any language or if it goes in reverse, like if they were learning... To read in english if it would translate to spanish but what i've heard from her teachers even her teacher this year in second grade is that they really encourage parents to to foster the language of the home whichever language that is because that gives That gives them a really good foundation to learn the other language and to become proficient in it or to to eventually develop those those literacy skills. Right. And that is something that we talked about in our previous episode with Melissa Baralt
0: about, you know, using the the language of home, whatever language it is, that's your dominant language. That should be what you you use at home because the, the input is for your child is going to be much richer. Because that right. is what you feel comfortable with. That is where you have the vocabulary and the abilities. So, yes. I, and I mean, I, I can say that I've seen with Soe that her, because she started reading in Spanish first, mainly because it is a phonetic, you know, it's phonetic. I, I mean, if you know yeah. how to pronounce those vowels, you can do it. And and if you know the letter sounds. So and so I also um, during the summer was doing she was taking tutoring, Spanish tutoring classes, which helped her a lot with learning how to sound out, you know, and learn the phonetics of 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 the language. But um, I, you know, I do when I hear her read in in English, I mean, she sounds like it's like I say she sounds like Cheetah Rivera. (laughs) hilarious (laughs) and i love it i think it's great you know and and she and and i think it does she doesn't it doesn't click with her she just reads it but we do have to correct it because eventually i mean at one point she will be tested in that and i don't know if that will you know be a hit against her and eventually i'm sure she will catch on but right now it's and and all of the reading comprehension that we're doing um in terms of like the school, the homework, I'm doing it all in Spanish um, because reading comprehension works in any language. Right. That's the point yeah. of it. So we, we are working whenever she is reading a book by herself, we do work on that, too. Um, and now, you know, we have all these really fancy children's books. Right. That, that we've acquired um, throughout her, her early childhood and none of them work now for reading which is hilarious because the fonts are not appropriate (laughs) for, for her (laughs) because it's too, they're too, it's just, or the language is just too, the, the words are too long. The sentences are too long, too complex for her. So now we're trying to find all these sort of very heavily sort of early learning, you know, didactic reading books in English and Spanish, which we're sort of in a rush to get these now because she wants to read and I don't have them. Thankfully our public library has a lot of those and she has a school library that's providing all the English books for that. But it is like, I didn't plan for this. So that's one advice: right. plan for that. <laughs> get books that they can read because she, we still read a lot to her. She does. I mean, that's most of the reading that gets done at home. It's us reading mm-hmm. to her, but she wants to also try and read something and she'll get frustrated even with the very simple, yeah. very simple, short, um, illustrated books that we have because they're artistic. Right. The fonts are crazy and she doesn't understand yes. <laughs> like, what she needs something very clean. And she's like, what is this letter? So so <laughs> I think that there's definitely, you know, it, that's something to plan for that we didn't expect and and anticipate because we have so many books i assumed that was covered yeah right. right
1: yeah no that's true we have some books that have cursive yeah the cursive and i remember artwork. early on emilia was like what what's that letter what what is that like she she just yeah. couldn't recognize it now it's a little better but not um in kindergarten yeah and i think when i said in the intro that We it struck us how different things feel now. I think for me, at least it's because in that early episode, we were, I feel like we were just saying, no, it's, you know, just read to them at home. Just, just do this, do that. And it, it, it almost sounded so easy. And I feel like now as they get older, like you said, it's a ton of work and you, you really have to be maybe aggressively intentional. Yeah. And that's why I I feel that it's so different now because it, you have to try different things. Every kid is different. Every family is different. You might get a kid like mine who has big long spells of just speaking in English, even if I speak to her in Spanish. Sometimes I laugh at our conversations because literally I am speaking to her in Spanish and she responds in English. It's oh like, no, it, it, all the time. Um, but so you, uh, some of the things you've been doing outside of school, aside from the home things, aside from what you do at home, are also finding opportunities for to, it right. to be exposed to the language. And you have wonderful opportunities in Miami. Oh, my so God. I don't know. if talk, it, Tell us about I, those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little
0: we jealous. Great, I mean, I feel like I don't, I, I feel like I'm eight. Yeah, I know. I feel like I don't know. I'm I'm aging myself here a little bit, but if anyone watched Sex <laughs> in the City, they would say that New York was the fifth character in the show, and for us, Miami is like the fourth character in this bilingual show because it is really essential to us to have to live within the context of of, of a community that values Spanish so much. I mean, soy in her world understands that Spanish is necessary. Even yesterday we were at at a public park and there was a little girl that was speaking Spanish with her mom. And so it goes up to her. She's like, Hey, I speak Spanish too. And then she, they they were playing in Spanish (laughs) the whole time. And I'm thinking, I mean, that, that was great. You know, and, and kids here, I, I think I laid this out in my second blog post. Um, but th- there's a program in Soa School called Lunch Bunch, which is parents going to the school to read to a small group of kids uh, during lunchtime. So you'll bring a few books, you sit outside in a blanket and you read books while they eat their lunch. Um, and it's great. It's really fun. And I've uh, 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 the first time I did it, I thought that I should bring maybe, you know, half of the books in Spanish, the other half in English because i thought mm, we're in miami i think most of these kids will very likely know you know spanish will be able to understand it and they all did and it was great and when i pulled out these books they were so proud to say hey i understand spanish i'm bilingual <laughs> you know i yeah and they started one-upping each other in spanish too which was amazing i was like oh my gosh you know this is like heaven and 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 and, and it was so nice they were so um excited to be recognized for that. And I felt like after oh, that I, nice. it was beautiful. And then after that I sort of felt when I left and I started really understanding what that meant for them and how the school wasn't providing for that at all in their classroom. Because these are all kids from so it's classroom. Um I I got angry. I was so angry. I was like, oh my gosh, these kids mm-hmm. like I wonder how they would be doing if if this was Part of their daily curriculum,
1: right? I mean, really, even if it was a small amount of time, just a small amount of time with them, yeah, just a little
0: tip of the hat, like, "Hey, this is something that I value." Like, this is something that we we we're recognizing in this context, and we value it. And and they're not getting that, and just that little glimpse into seeing, "Oh my gosh, you know, this is like another thing that I can do. This is a skill that they have, and it's very rarely recognized outside of the home." And in the in the an academic context, which is a context where kids are being rewarded for things on their own, that's sort of the first time that you feel like you know academic accomplishments and all these things, and that part of them is not being recognized at all. So I that's sort of like I felt very I was very emotional after that, and I was like, oh my god! (laughs) I mean, and I told the principal. I mean, I I messaged a teacher. I communicated my my experience and my frustration and my desire for for the school to do something about that, because I I think that 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 would benefit their experience in the classroom significantly, just based on the tiny time that I was I was with them for for 45 minutes. That was it. But it just changed everything around. So that, that was really cool.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. And what, what was the principal's response? She said, well, they, I've
0: mentioned many times, like, this is all I talk about with the administration. They, I, I mean, and I, I <laughs> she's like, we're planning we, we really want to do, you know, a full like bilingual curriculum for the whole school, you know, but that's like you need funding for that. And also you need to start from the beginning because it is true. You can't just go bilingual with a third grade class. They do have Spanish starting in second grade. Every, every class, every kid gets Spanish um, class starting in second grade. I have no idea why it starts in second grade, to be honest with you. I, that's silly to me. Um, I think it should mm-hmm. start from the beginning if you have the staff to do it. But that's just how it works. And they have one bilingual classroom per grade. Um, so it, it's a it's a strange system but but the administration is very open to that and they wish that they could do it. I they haven't really explained to me very clearly why not, but I think it has to do with funding. And that's something that, you know, it's that's a problem in every every public school in America right now.
1: But I'm glad there's moms like you who do oh, yeah. things like that. Yes. I think that sometimes it has to be you know, these opportunities have to unfortunately be parent led. Not entirely unfortunately, but uh, you know, it's unfortunate that schools and other institutions don't have more opportunities in Spanish, but, you know, we've seen a lot of parents who start their own play dates and start their own groups. And I think that's, that's really helpful, even if we have to take it into our own hands, especially as they get older. And we were talking about this the other day, opportunities seem to drop the older they get, because Mm -hmm. a lot of this, the play dates, a lot of the um, story times are aimed kind of like to the preschool set, maybe up to five or so. But then once the kids get to seven, eight, there don't seem to be a lot of activities for them in Spanish. And, you know, that complicates, I feel like that it's a lost opportunity almost, because you want it You want to have that outside of the home, even outside of the school. In my case, Amelia has her dual language school and she gets a lot of opportunities in Spanish. But, you know, the peer interaction is still in English. So you almost want there to be opportunities outside of the home and outside of the school. So more in a social setting or in a setting where they're learning something new, um, cooking or a STEM activity or whatever. Uh, so that they have the opportunity to to use the language in a different context and to have that expectation that when they come into this space, they're going to to use the language. And you have spaces like that in Miami, but they're but even in Miami, not everywhere. Even in Miami,
0: I think there's a big drop off when kids reach around third grade. I think that that there's a big drop off of activities that are in Spanish. For instance, you know and and there is kind of I think it's something that I've been thinking about a lot because, you know, and the, and even for a younger crowd in terms of how to really learn a language outside of school as an extracurricular. Right. And, you know, because so I have had a tough time transitioning to that heavily didactic curriculum of 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 kinder, especially coming from a preschool that has a child-led approach. She was in a Reggio Emilia preschool that was bilingual. Um, And, you know, I have to say that so much of what I've seen happen in her elementary school is to me, grossly developmentally inappropriate. (laughs) I think that this is happening in a (laughs) lot of public schools in America, that kinder is sort of like first grade at this point. And there's a lot of expectations that are not, especially when you look at the range of um the ages that you can get in kinder you can get really young fives and also really old fives you know in terms of like when their birthdays are and that's like a, an eternity yes. in terms of developmental gain so that's i feel like that all that stuff kind of like it's, it's it's inappropriate and it's weird you know there's not enough play there's too much worksheet time there's straight up screen time because they're in computers which is getting on my last nerve but um and and Part of all of this sort of picture is why I had to take Soy out of her, her Spanish tutoring. She was going once a week to a Spanish school that was tutoring her, like very didactic to um, sit down and do the work kind of school. And she did not, she, she, used, she loved it while she was in her preschool. She loved going and it was fine. But once we started kinder, she didn't want to go to another classroom setting after being in school all day. Doing worksheets and, and whatnot. She gets out of school and she wants to play. She wants to open up. She wants to go bike. She wants to do something fun. And so we had to drop that, 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 that resource that was really, I mean, I, I, it was really valuable. And it's why also we've been able to keep her in the art and theater classes that she's in because it's immersion. And, you know, she gets to play and she gets to do, use her imagination and she gets to move her body. And I feel like this is something that we need to tackle in a, in a future episode, because I don't understand why so many of these sort of language learning opportunities are so didactic, especially the tutoring aspect of it. I feel like even yeah. in her Spanish in her <laughs> Spanish tutoring class, it also wasn't developmentally appropriate and it only worked because so it was in a school where she was getting what she needed. Developmentally, so it was OK to take her once a week for an hour to this school. But once everything turned into right. that, it wasn't it she couldn't take it. And I get that there's a need for instruction, but it, it shouldn't be so regimented, particularly for young, younger children who learns so much better through play, you know, and you don't want Spanish to become a shore, right? You know, language learning is a discipline and it's important, you know, but it's also important to remember that we're pitching our kids here the language, right? At some point, they're going to need to take the reins, (laughs) right? Like they have to take the reins and that won't happen if they have a negative association with the language, if it feels like work. And we talk, yeah, yeah, we talk about or dread dread, right? Because it becomes like another thing that they have to sit down for and do a ton of work for. And yes, you have to do that at some point. You have to do that because it is important. You know, you have to put in the time for reading it and you have to put in the time to learn the grammar and, and, and the rules around it. And you have to practice it, but, but it doesn't need to be like that from the beginning, you know? And, and we talked about it in, in our, in our, I think it was our on Heritage, Language and Identity episode with Sabine Little. about We talked mm-hmm. about that very thing and how parents sort of have to, you know, trust their children and let go a little bit. <laughs> and yeah. really and also really understand that when your kid tells you, hey, you know, this is not something that I want to do to sort of just listen to them. Because if you force it, it's going to become another thing. And that's what we did with the Spanish tutoring. We just sort of like, you know what, we can't. Uh, It was painful because she was really, really improving her. I mean, that's why I think she started reading in Spanish because of that this summer. Because we put her in those classes and it was really hard to just drop it. Because it was the only structured Spanish class that we had. I can't do that at home the way that they were doing it in the classroom. And they gave her homework and all of that, but it just became too much. So,
1: yeah, it's a lot for them, especially in kindergarten, where they're transitioning from preschool to a more academic setting. And, you know, it's also depending on the child. I mean, there's so many children who have so many. Exactly. Who do tutoring and do all these extra classes and they don't have an issue with it, but um, not all of them thrive. They need that break. And I think most of them probably need that break. Some just handle it better than others. And um, it's, yeah. But I, I, as far as, you know, what we discussed with Sabine, I, you know, I've definitely put that in practice in our home because, because, like I said, I don't have any structured way in which I am trying to foster Spanish other than what we already did which is speaking in the home and reading in Spanish and she reads very well in Spanish she she writes well all you know and she speaks it but you know it, it's evident that she's more comfortable in English or that she at least at this point she enjoys speaking it more and i i have my moments of frustration but lately I've taking a look at myself and our home dynamic. And I think to myself, how can I expect for her to speak in Spanish all the time when aside from her, I'm speaking in English all the time. And that's just the reality because my husband speaks in English. We both work from home. So we're here. The three of us, when she gets home from school, most of the time, the three of us are in the home already it's you know I don't have a period of time with her by myself per se when we get home from school although we do spend some time doing her homework and that's mostly in Spanish but I was thinking the other day and like trying to take a look at myself and I think well yes I speak in Spanish to my family I speak in Spanish I have a lot of Spanish speaking friends now through the school and I speak with them in Spanish but in the home, I speak a lot in English, even if it's not to her, although sometimes it is to her because it involves all of us and it just becomes easier. Right. So I've tried to <laughs> and I say these, I, I say this um for the parents who might be struggling with that, like, ah, you know, my kids speaking a lot of in, in English, but it's kind of hard to let it be a little bit like Sabine suggested. It's, you know, there's always this temptation to to fight and push and press harder for Spanish, but that doesn't, that hasn't worked for me, at least. I, sometimes I'll tell her, can you speak in, can you speak to, can we speak in Spanish? And I try to make it kind of playful and sometimes she'll, she'll switch, sometimes she won't. But, you know, I've just thought, well, I have to, kind of come to terms with this idea that English is a big part of our life, not only outside the home, but also inside the home. And so, you know, I just keep as best I can to speak with her and to read to her. And that hasn't changed. She still enjoys me reading to her in Spanish. And I don't know if that will change. I don't know how that will look like a few years from now is, you know, is the Spanish going to continue to drop? Is she's going to go through phases where she embraces it and others where she doesn't? I have no idea. So I just keep doing that, but I would like to do more structured things for her, but there aren't a lot of things for her to do a lot of activities for her to do in Spanish. So hopefully, you know, I have ideas and maybe, maybe we can create some groups or something (laughs) for older kids or classes where they can do something fun and enjoyable, but all in Spanish because her school, her school, the instruction is in Spanish. They have some, uh, arts programming that they, you know, they bring arts organizations from Houston who do work with the kids. Um, Right now in second grade, they have one called Writers in the School, which is creative writing, and they do it all in Spanish. And so I love that. And that's great. But still, I think part of I think the conversation piece is what's harder to develop, you know, her feeling comfortable, having a full conversation in Spanish. It's not that she can't, it's that she'll lean quite a bit on English sometimes. And and that's fine. I think we all do it, even here. And sometimes she'll start telling us a story in English and halfway through she'll switch to Spanish and finish the story in Spanish. Right. And I'm guessing it's because certain things come easier to her in one or the other language. But um but yeah it's it's hard to kind of come to terms with it and figure out okay how do I encourage this more because even when we, we traveled to Spanish speaking countries this summer and yes, she'll speak in Spanish to, to other people. But to me, she'll speak in English. It's almost like, because we're there and she speaks to me in English, it's just between the two of us type of mm-hmm. thing. And it's really odd. Sometimes I'm like, why are you speaking <laughs> to me in English? We're in Colombia, or where, you know, but I, you can't force it. You can't. Um, no. Yeah, you just can't force them to speak what you want. So it's 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 an it's been interesting to watch, and it's an interesting dynamic because once they start getting older, it, things slip further out of your control. And I feel like there's only so much you can do. And every child's can, is going to kind of develop differently. Um, but I always think back to our conversation with Arturo, where he says that, uh, you know, as a teen, he went off to Mexico and really perfected to Spanish. And I said, well, maybe, you know, as <laughs> a teen, she'll go. embrace it or she'll reject it, or maybe she'll embrace it when she's in college. I don't know. <laughs> it's not that she doesn't embrace it now by any means, She, but she definitely prefers, or it seems that way to me, to speak in English. Yeah.
0: At one point <laughs> there is, and, and I think that Emilia will... Value her Spanish and will continue and take it on. And I do think that at one point, you know, we have to sort of understand that that's what's going to have to happen in order for them to continue. Mm -hmm. Because as as they get older, you know, there's more stuff going on that doesn't involve you. (laughs) So if you're the main source of the language, right, then, you know, it's going to be difficult. Right now, for, for instance, yeah. with Zoe, we do I do get to have a lot of alone time with her at home because, you know, when we get home from school, David is not there yet and he comes home a little bit later. So that time for me is all like it's like Spanish overload, you know, and she's not allowed to watch TV in English, which is one thing that I told her, if you want to watch any cartoons, it's in Spanish or nothing which she doesn't love that idea, but she, because she, there's some stuff that's not available in Spanish, but Netflix is amazing. It defaults to Spanish now for us. I don't know exactly how we did it. I think we just pushed it so much. that It's like, okay, you guys want Spanish, but um, but she, she will watch, and that has helped a lot. I put music in Spanish. We talk in Spanish. I mean, it's just all of it every day. So that helps. Um, and now she's tutoring David in Espanol too he'll read to her in Spanish and I I'll hear her correcting him every other word, <laughs> which is cute, you know, but I told her, look, Papa wants to be bilingual. So he needs to, You and you know, at this point more than he does really, I mean, he can speak Spanish and all of that, but her pronunciation is more native. He still sort of has you know issues when, when he reads. So, so she's, it, it's very cute, but trying to create that environment, right. At least in the house where it's it's an expectation but it's also valued as important but she's 5 i can do that because she's still like i mean i control everything <laughs> but eventually that right. might not be the case you know eventually she w- i mean yep. she speaks english with all of her friends and she will have her moments of spanish depending on the context but i know with all of her friends her close friends it's all english and it's funny because I can tell when she's been speaking a lot of English, because when she comes to me, she opens up in English. It, it She code switches, but I can see. And then she switches again. She's like, oh, it's Spanish with mama. So, so far, she sort of understands <laughs> that with me. And she's asked me, she said, like, you speak English with Papa. Why are you speaking Spanish with me? She's asked me several times. And I told her, well, because I feel more, more comfortable yep. in Spanish. And which is the truth. You know, I'm not trying to trick her. I feel more comfortable mothering in Spanish than I do in English, but I tell her that Papa doesn't understand a lot of Spanish and I can't speak to him the way that I speak to her. So I have to adjust for him, but that I would like for her and I to have a relationship in Spanish. So, and she so far has, you know, believed it and absorbed it and she has, you know, she's okay with it. We'll see moving forward you know, how that plays out and how she feels about it. So, but for now it is working. But one thing I've realized, I mean, ever since we started, you know, kinder is that things change quickly and you have to adjust and you have to sort of, you know, adjust expectations and adjust your, 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 your program that you have for Spanish. If you have it outside of the school and you have it well-planned, like I, I mean, we had to drop the Spanish tutoring now, I had to increase our weekend in, our weekends, you know, we, we do Sabados en Español still, which is, mm-hmm. it's exhausting for me sometimes because, I mean, it, it is a weekend and I'm taking on an entire morning alone with her, which is really fun to do, but it is still, <laughs> I'm tired and we have errands to run, but we have to do it because that's, that helps her. So I'll take her to the public library. We read in Spanish. We do, you know, I take her to, I take her to some parks in Miami where I know that there's a lot of native speakers. (laughs) We have like a list of parks, which I could share with listeners that are in Miami if they want to go to a, to a public park that has, you know, mostly Spanish speaking children. But, um, but we do that too, and she actually, you know, she, they. It's 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 really amazing, like how you can find these little pockets here. But that's been really useful. We go to our cuenta cuentos, we do all that, but it is exhausting, and and we had kind of stopped doing that a little bit over the summer because she was in her preschool that was bilingual, you know, and 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 I didn't have right. to, I didn't have that pressure of pushing it so much. So you know, although Spanish has been workable. I mean, I still like what it causes some you know, sort of pause in, in terms of the realization that moving forward I might not be able to make so many concessions right? And I might not have access to 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 sort of these different options that I have now because she's so young right? You know, I'm, I'm nervous about right. how her academic life will be so full that making space for Spanish will be even more challenging, you know, and I know that it can be done, mm-hmm. but I have to begin thinking about that now. Um, especially if if I am not able to put her in a bilingual program right now in first grade, I'm, I'm still, when she goes to first grade, I, I am still able to apply for some of these programs and I am definitely doing it and considering it um, because I'm seeing already how, how in kinder English is sort of, You know, everything is in English and that's just kinder. What's going to happen in fourth grade when she doesn't have any Spanish and we have a a lot more homework and projects and all of the, And it's all going to be in English. And I'm not going to be able to do the same stuff that I'm doing now because it's just going to be a lot more work. And, and it's the competition is going to get more intense. So, I mean, that's something that you have to plan. Like, I mean, you have to get prepared early and think about what you're going to do, because otherwise it's going to take you by surprise. And then you're not going to be able to react quickly enough. It, it, it really takes a lot yeah. of energy to do this stuff. It, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a constantly evolving process. So I think I would say if there's something to take away from this conversation is that we, we as parents have to be of bilingual children have to be flexible and kind of adjust like Monica said to the changing dynamics, um, with our children, because we we can't predict them, they will definitely change. And some of them are phases, some of them maybe won't be. So I don't know, maybe in a year, we do another episode to see where we are (laughs) in our homes. Yes. The third update, two years later, will be completely different. Not that we'll stop with the not that you won't hear us talk about this stuff in other episodes. But Maybe we should make this an annual thing to, mm-hmm. to do an assessment of where we are with our kids and what we're doing. So uh, we hope you found this episode useful. And if nothing else, we hope you find comfort in the fact that all of us are kind of going through the same thing or go through the same thing at some point And that, you know, there's a big unknown uh, at the end of of this path with our kids. (laughs) And and
0: we're here for each other. We are here if you want to comment on our Facebook group, on our Instagram, if you want to send us private messages with questions, if you want to share anything, share. Because I mean, sometimes I feel like just these conversations that we're having are sort of cathartic. And then also when we connect with you, online on, on our Facebook group, for instance, everybody says, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happening to me. (laughs) And we work through these issues together. So I think that, that, that is important feeling like there are other people out there like us that are going through the same things or, or have already been through this and, and can help us through um, with their advice and their perspective.
1: Yep. Definitely. So visit us on social media. Our handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is at Entre Dos Podcast. We also have a Facebook group if you're not a part of it yet. Um, Think about joining. It's been growing and we've been having some interesting conversations in there. So um, look that up. And as always, if you enjoy what we do, give us a, a... Review us or rate that us helps in the, the Apple store because it helps us. And we'll see you next time or hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. <laughs>